you said that you promised you would eat and stay healthy at home so you wouldn't end up back in hospital. Now, you're nodding at me. Yes, I said that. <laughs> Say it louder. In July last year, 87-year-old Kathleen Tierney from Kilbarrick in Dublin was in hospital with her daughter Orla by her side. What do I say, Laird? That you, what you told me was that you were going to eat properly at home and stay, stay well and stay out of hospital. Kathleen was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and had been refusing to eat. Weighing just four stone nine pounds when she was admitted six months earlier, she had fallen and broken her hip. Orla took out her phone and recorded her mother making a promise that she would eat. Eat. Good for you. And what about your meds? I suppose I'll have to take them. Yeah. Good for you. Above all else, Kathleen wanted to continue to live in her own home and Orla and the family wanted to do all they could to ensure this would happen. Now, ma'am, what are you going to do when you get home? Eat. Yeah. Is that a promise? Oh, it's a total promise. Okay. Well, we believe you, ma'am. Oh, you can believe me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Alzheimer's Society of Ireland recognises that music can play a therapeutic role in helping those with dementia or Alzheimer's. Music therapy can take different forms and there are several choirs internationally that welcome people with these illnesses. Last year, a choir was set up on a pilot phase on Dublin's south side. Listening to the radio one morning, Orla heard about the Southside Choir. Coming from a musical family, she jumped at the chance to involve her mother in this choir. However, it was too far away from their home. Not to be outdone, and following several phone calls, the ever-determined Orla decided to set up a choir on the north side of the city. She named it the Forget-Me-Nots, and they held their first practice on a cold spring morning in February this year. Out of hospital and eating well, Kathleen sits in her wheelchair at home. You know, I'm one of those people, well, I suppose you call me a compulsive talker. Like if I saw someone in the street, I'd say, it's a gorgeous day, isn't it? Yeah, God, would you ever get yesterday? You know, this kind, yeah. And, and Jenny would say to me, you don't know her. I said, I know I don't know her. While she still appears quite frail, her confusion has lessened for the moment. She reminisces about her husband. Well, I was born in Dublin, lived in Dublin all my life. And my husband was born in Cork. The kids say, how did you meet Daddy? And I said, well, we were at Cayley. And in those days, the buses went off at nine o'clock. And if you hadn't a bike. So he says to me at the end of the dance, where do you live? And I told him where I lived. I said, is it OK if I see you home? I said, yeah. And I said to him years afterwards, supposing you didn't live near me, what then? And his answer was, matter of damn, I'd have gone home genuinely. <laughs> and I said to him, that's how you meet you. Not so much uh, he met me, like I met him. You know the way somebody sort of, yeah, I could go for him. And I do believe, honestly, 
that there's someone for everybody if you're lucky enough. And do you know what? He's gone, but he's not definitely not forgotten. I can actually hear his voice. And he, he used to say to me, Do you know, love? How could I have been so lucky to get a girl like you? And no, I never dreamt anyone to get to me, but I feel very privileged. And I'd love to say to my kids, Did anyone say that to you? Kathleen's daughter, Karen, is the youngest of five. The eldest is my brother, Michael, and uh, he's very quiet. <laughs> and then after him, there are four very noisy women. <laughs> Maggie is my eldest sister. She lives in Scotland. And then Orla. Um, Orla is the one who actually starts the whole forget-me-nots. And then I have another sister, Fiona, and she's actually quite quiet as well. And then there's me. <laughs> so so there's five of us. Um, and then Mam, my dad died when we were all quite young. I was only 13 when he died. And in fact, he had never been ill. He just, he was an awful smoker, but he, he just dropped dead on a Saturday night, one night, uh, yeah, 1979. And Mam retreated. And for having been a very gregarious, funny, outgoing uh, woman, she just became very withdrawn, very quiet. And my brother, he was only 23, so he was the head of the family then at 23. And he had four small sisters. So it wasn't easy, but then time went on and, you know, as it does. And, and I remember at one stage, Mam said, when are you all going to get married? Because we were all very late getting married. <laughs> and we are all going, no, we're no hurry. And then four of us got married in one year. And then all the grandchildren came and then 13 came uh, like, you know, buses. <laughs> and it just got ridiculous, you know, because then Mam at this stage, I, the first time actually I remember her laughing out loud again was when the my eldest um, nephew, Neil, when he was born, he's nearly 21 now, and laughing out, I remember Mammy laughing out loud and I thought, God, I haven't heard her laugh for years, really laugh. So the grandchildren gave her another kind of whole uh, lease of life. So it went and, and everything was great for ages. Creating a schedule can help people with Alzheimer's or dementia keep track of their lives. Fiona. Or Michael. Or Michael. Put down yeah, Michael. Yeah. So dinner. Dinner, Michael. So tell me what you're doing here. Uh, writing down, like, dates that, that you should, like, know what's coming up and stuff like Karen's birthday and dinner with Michael. And who's this for? For Gran. And whose idea was it for the blackboard? Uh, it was Fiona's. Yeah, she, it? we were with her when she went to. Yeah. Is it E A? A E. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And then it all kind of went a bit off again. Um, and I'll never forget, it was a year and a half ago. Mam um, and I, we go to shows a lot. And that would be one of the things that we would have done a lot, you know, um, not just myself and Mam, but all of us, all the girls and, and Michael as well. My brother, he's in a choir as well. And uh, and the kids are all in stage school. So the, the whole thing would have been going to um, to musicals and um, dramas and whatever. And there was this one night, myself and Mam went National Concert Hall. And we went to see a really good friend of mine, Jimmy O'Byrne, was singing. And like he's our choir director, so I know Jimmy really well and Mammy knows him well. And off we went. And halfway through the show, Mam said, God, that fella's very good. Who's that? I said, Mam, that's Jimmy. Who's Jimmy? I said, ah, Mammy, you know Jimmy. And she says, no, I haven't a clue who that as well is. And I said, God, this is weird. 
So anyway, at the interval, she said, that fella was fantastic. We'll have to get his name. I said, ma'am, that's Jimmy. And she says, I haven't a clue who you're talking about. She said, where are we? I said, ma'am, you're in the National Concert Hall. I said, you've been here many times. No, no, no idea where I are. Before that, had you, you any indication that anything was up with her? Some. But you could explain it away. Like, mum is 87 now. So, you could, like, a lot of the time I'd be saying to my sisters and Michael, um, I said, do you think mum's okay? Do you think, she, do you think she's losing it? Would be the expression I was using. And they were going, no, she's just getting on. She's just getting old. And, and I said, God, she's, she's forgetting things. And they said, well, that's part and parcel of growing up is you do forget things. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's fair enough. And... Also, her hearing was going as well around that time and Orla had got her hearing aids. And so we thought maybe it was to do with her hearing. But it was that one night I thought, this isn't hearing. This isn't hearing aids. This is awareness. This is no memory of ever having met somebody that she knows quite well or in a, in a place that she knows quite well. And and it didn't take away her enjoyment. She wasn't upset that night, which kind of like I knew she wasn't agitated it wasn't an upsetting feeling for her, or, but it was upsetting for me because I thought, OK, this is totally weird. So the very next morning I was on the phone to all my family and I said, something has happened to ma'am and we need to get it sorted. And they were going, ah, no, she was just out of context or, you know, she wasn't wearing hearing aids. And I said, no, 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 something's worse. So I rang Michelle. Michelle is our, our family doctor. And I said, ma'am, will you, uh, Michelle, will you do a, a, a test with ma'am? I said, I don't know what the test is for memory or awareness I said, but I got a fright last night. So anyway, mum went in the next day and, and it transpired she has Alzheimer's. Can we do some warm-ups? Have you done warm-ups before? Yeah? Having found the perfect location for choir practice, Baldoyle Community Hall, Orla then persuaded Gráinne O'Grady of the Southside Choir to come over the Liffey and be the musical director for the Forget-Me-Nots. The choir meet every Tuesday morning for an hour and a half. practice it was time to show off their singing skills. The formal launch of the choir took place in May. Orla had convinced Fingal Arts Office to support the choir and so County Manager Paul Reid was invited along. So with that I would like to invite Paul just to say a few words. Thank you very much. Uh, I just to say, say beautiful summer morning outside and where better to be in here Beautiful music and beautiful hymns and well sung, I have to say. Certainly fantastic for the work we do in Fingal to really come into communities and see the local community spirit uh, and particularly to see the different generations in the room here supporting each other. And we're very happy to, to, to support you in this start phase.
Thank you. As it was a special day, fourth class of St Lawrence's Senior School was invited to join the singing. It was then I met the third generation of the Tierney clan, Kathleen's 10-year-old grandson and keen singer, Frankie. Okay, so who's going to start by saying a bit of case around? Take a lift. No, no. She is. No, Frankie. Frankie. Go, Frankie. Just a little girl, I asked my mother... What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. What will be, will be. Do you see your granny often? A lot. I see her once a week, every week. I go down to her house and I have a chat with her and remind her. Would she, would she sing to you sometimes? Well, when my mum and my auntie sing, she would join in and then she's just like, why am I dying a choir? So then my auntie and my mum set up a choir for her and all her friends. And when you were younger, Kathleen, did you sing? Well, I joined in. I hadn't got a voice, but I loved listening. Alzheimer's advances, her family have noticed her increasing obsession with the Irish language she learnt as a girl. Hi Kathleen, how are you? Great. How are tricks? Son-in-law Brian drops by. Yeah, I'll test your Irish, Brian. What's the Irish for star? For star? I've no idea. What is the Irish for star? You've no idea. I don't know. And you went to a Don't start gi- Don't start giving out to me now, Kathleen. <laughs> don't start giving out to me, Kathleen. Sorry, oh. I'm not 13 or 14 anymore. Oh, I'm past that. Rails. Rails. No. <laughs> That's how many years of Irish education. <sighs> what? <laughs> Your native language. And I can remember phrases in Irish that would sum up exactly what I mean. And I couldn't put English on to get tired. And I mean, I'm a native English speaker. But there's somehow there's a precision about Irish that says what you wanted to say. And we shouldn't give that up lightly. I don't think. And you got a book there. Where'd you get that? Well, I think I got it in the library. But what I love about it is it's written in the old Irish script. I find it hard to read Irish, you know. Do you enjoy singing in Irish? Eh, Well, I'm not a great singer. (laughs) But uh, I love the sound of Irish. I, I think it's much more musical. I think you can say more 
it's say an Irish proverb and you would like take your whole page you say to my mind take me a page to tell you in English and they must have taught it properly or else we we were <laughs> we didn't know any better but I can remember my Irish script and I can remember things the teacher said it meant more I took it all in memory at that stage when she was desperate. in her bad <laughs> oh, phase like what was it like oh desperate 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 oh from a woman who was so lucid and so with it and stories to beat the band looping looping conversations every five minutes you know and oh, it was just it was horrendous it was it's so hard to describe, but anyone who has any exposure or, or has anyone close to them who dementia or Alzheimer's would know exactly what I mean is when you actually start the same sentence a hundred times in half an hour and it's around in circles and around in circles and and there's just relentless. Orla recalls when in January 2013, her mother had lost interest in food as a result of Alzheimer's. Kathleen has a different memory of the event. You loved your garden, Mum. You still love your garden, don't you? I love it, but I can't do it. No, you can't do it anymore. No. It's too much. I love seeing it. Seeing yeah. it done. <laughs> but you did it up until a year ago, didn't you? A year and a half. Well. But it was something you really missed. Well, I am looking at it, I must say. I'd like to see yeah. it done. Yeah. And from here, from the conservatory, you're just completely in your own home, looking out at your own garden. Yeah. Just glad to be here and out of hospital. Yeah. Never to go back again, I think, ma'am. Please, God. <laughs> but I didn't go in. You put me in. <laughs> no, ma'am. Do you know who put you in? You did. You stopped eating. <laughs> you didn't give me nice enough to eat. <laughs> we noticed that she wasn't eating. Um, everything that we, we were trying to um, tempt her with, anything that she used to love, and she would kind of push it around the plate and... Um, she wasn't doing well at all. Then as Christmas approached, um, you know, we realised that, you know, Mammy is really going downhill. Things took a turn for the worse later that January. It was the anniversary of her husband's death and unusually, Kathleen did not want to go to the Mass. The family went along to the church and returned to Kathleen's after. And the kids ran ahead of us into the house and then um, we heard screaming and the kids came running back out. And um, one of the girl, one of the one of the, the children had found ma'am um, covered in blood. She had fallen on her way down to the loo. And there's kind of a narrow corridor in the house. Um, that's quite dangerous when you're walking along with a zimmer frame. And she had um, she had tripped and she had cracked her head off the wall and so it actually looked really bad, you know, because there was so much blood and because she was lying there and she couldn't get herself up. So we called an ambulance and um, the guys came out and they checked her and they confirmed that she had a broken hip. 
And so on dad's anniversary, she actually ended up going into Beaumont. And that was when really everything started to, you know, it just started to get more serious by by the day. You know, it, we just everything it had just gone from mam being fine to mam kind of losing her memory a bit um, to suddenly, you know, mam um, not being herself like she was she was kind of quite depressed or, you know, we just, we couldn't, we couldn't put a a finger on it. Up until January 2013, Kathleen had been living on her own. However, after her dramatic weight loss and the fall that resulted in a broken hip, the family organised daycare to support her when she was released from hospital a few months later. However, on her first night at home, Kathleen had another fall. This time during the night when she was alone. It wasn't until the following morning that the day carer found her. She found Mammy freezing on the floor of the bedroom. She had no covers around her because she couldn't even reach for them and she couldn't climb back into bed and she couldn't get herself up. So she was, they felt that she was at least two hours on the floor of the bedroom and she could easily have caught her death of cold um, because that was the middle of winter. You know, that was... um, that was around March at that time. It was desperate because Fiona, who lives around, well, she'd lived around the corner at the time. She got the phone call from the the visiting carer to come by. And that's when she found a man like that. And like, thanks be to God, the carer was so good. You know, she just immediately got Mammy cleaned and warmed and wrapped up warm again made her bed, got her back into bed again. Um, But that's when we realised, Mum can't live like this anymore. You know, it was just, it was a turning point. And he ended up bringing Mum back into Beaumont. And that was heartbreaking for Mammy particularly because she just wanted to come home. And she was so glad she was home. And she couldn't believe it when we were bringing her back in again. And um, we had to um, then work with the HSE and um, and and go about seeing how how what do we do now? Like we thought, do we go to a nursing home now? Do, do, can Mum stay at home any longer, or uh, or is that just not possible? But you're going to love being home again, aren't you, Mum? Mm. And you're going to be properly eating. Yeah. Is that a promise? Oh. It's Okay. Well, we believe you, ma'am. Oh, you can believe me. Okay. Yeah. And ma'am basically promised us the moon, you know, in order to get out of Beaumont. <laughs> and so it's funny because I said, ma'am, I'm going to tape you. <laughs> you know, I said, you, you, have to, you have to say on tape that you're going to eat and what you're going to do. And then when we get you home, you know, if you don't, I'm just going to play the tape back to you. And so ma'am said, okay, yeah, you know, we just said, ma'am, you have to, you have to do what it takes, you know, to to be able to stay at home. So, so she has, she has taken on board a lot of the things, you know, all the adjusting has kind of happened in the last year since she went home last July. And she's done brilliantly ever since. Like it's now almost a year when she came home the last time and she has done everything that the doctors wanted her to do and that the family wanted her to do. 
Do you enjoy going up to the choir on Tuesday? I do. Not that I'm a singer, but it's good to be part of something. You know, it's good to sort of sit and let the world wash, wash over you. And it kind, it kind of means you're not sitting looking at the four walls, you know. And who goes up with you? Well, I'm brought. <laughs> I, unfortunately, my legs aren't great, but I'm brought in my wheelchair, which is great. Because I can observe everything where everybody else is watching the traffic. But I'm watching, as you look at your woman's shoes, or Jeffrey's such a hat, you know, because you can, you have time to. And I'm in this happy position. I go wherever you, wherever you bring me. And lucky enough, I have a good family. It's a, it's a beautiful song, one of our old songs. I think everyone will love it. On this Tuesday practice, there are about 30 people in the hall, a mix of elderly people with carers or family members. Volunteer Paul Wickham is a dementia nurse who lives locally. He brings along his guitar and entertains the group during the tea break. I care for people with dementia, different types of dementia, and um, but I love music. Like Music is my passion, and I can see the good that music does for ordinary people and people with dementia as well, uh, how much it soothes them and calms them down and brings out that joy in life that can be missing sometimes, you know? And does it make a difference to the quality of life for people? Ah, oh, yeah, that's the buzzword. That's quality of life is the buzzword, and it's really all about enjoying life, living life to the full, and really like, every last minute of draining every last drop from the cup, like, you know? God bless her What is it about music that helps someone with dementia or Alzheimer's? Music taps into a deeper part of ourselves. Like, I know I've seen sing songs, people that were very far gone, as we say with dementia, coming alive and singing the songs of their childhood with great fervour and great joy and so happy to do it. And it's a kind of a miracle thing when someone comes back from a kind of a vegetable almost, like state into a kind of a fully alive state and they're the joy comes back into their lives and they're there, they're back with you for a while and it's, it's a lovely thing to see, you know? Everybody ready? Yeah? So do you want to just listen to the first bit on the piano? So it's... As Gráinne teaches the group a new song, an elderly man who had been sitting quietly with his daughter suddenly seems to recall the lyrics. The room falls silent as retired guard Patrick sings the hymn he first learnt when he was a member of the Garda Choir 40 years ago. No, 
take a bow. Take me, take a bow. Can you take a bow? I've never been taking a bow away to the singers. Thank you very much. Isn't that what it's all about? During a break, Gráinne explains how music can help trigger memories of the past for people with Alzheimer's or dementia. Well, in general, um, you know, whether you have dementia or not, um, it's just a challenge as our, our brains are getting older and it's just really good to, to have, you know, new cognitive experiences and also to remember, you know, um, events from the past which can be triggered by different musical soundtracks, if you like. So you might have somebody who, um, like today we were doing some Irish songs, Oroche, the Vahawalia and Begain Nakamorok, and those are songs that um, a lot of the singers would have learned 40, 50, 60, some of them 70 years ago when they were in school, and they might not have, have sung them since, and it's amazing how, how the memories come back, and you know, people will still remember the melodies, the airs, and the, the words of songs, um, even even. That, that many years later, you know. Do as you damn well please Come there, stay there. Any every little Lambeth guy with her little Lambeth. You'll find us all doing the Lambeth Walk. And who picks the music? Uh, the music comes from the participants themselves. So my training is in uh, community music and also youth arts. So it would be very much kind of participant-led. So in that way, it's, it's, a, it's quite different to other choirs where the musical director might, you know, come in with different pieces and say, right, lads, this is, this is what we're doing today. Um, occasionally I will use that approach, but in general, the, the music is generated from people themselves. We've had people, you know... Go, one man said to me one day that uh, he hadn't seen his attic in 70 years or something and up he went into his attic and he found all this music that was out of print you know from his school days that he had kept for years and years in a in a dusty box you know and and they were the songs that he wanted to do and that he remembered so it's it just it just depends okay so for all the mummies we've another lady um who actually met her husband here in Baldoyle Community Hall at a dance. I, I don't know how many years ago, I wouldn't like to guess. And, you know, she, she had a particular song, Danny Boy, that she associates with him. And even though he's passed away, she said it makes her, her feel very close to him that she's in the hall where they met and she's singing, you know, what was his song as well. So, you know, people, people just think of their memories and their, their emotions and they can, they can pick the music themselves. As I look around the semicircle of people, I notice each person has a folder. The folder contains the lyrics for the songs printed on coloured sheets of paper with a small image in the corner. The colour and image together are more powerful than the written words in helping people remember the song. Danny Boy is printed on a green sheet with a shamrock in the top corner. Do you like coming to the choir every week? I love it. 
to hear. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, Tuesday morning, I look to see what the weather is like. Yeah. And it's usually good. It's usually oh, sunny it is, on a Tuesday. Yes, it has been. And you were on a microphone last week. You did a solo. <laughs> did you like that? I nearly died. <laughs> I never got like that before, you know. Yeah. I never thought of it. Because they're all talking, now you can't hear. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're, what's your favourite song? What's, what do you like singing? I like singing Amazing Grace and Oh Danny Boy. Sing Danny Boy for your mother. Yeah, because a lot of people think that's a sad song, but you said that this morning, didn't no, you? Sing it for I, your mum. Yeah, I yeah. say, see, it was out years ago when I was only a kid. Yeah. And that's neither here nor yesterday yeah. 74 I am um, I'll be 75 in October yeah and uh, I, I didn't love it and I love the group yeah you know There's they all bunch, try to song yeah. yeah they all try to talk yeah which I like and do you like the cup of tea in the halfway where we get to have a little chat with I each other I don't take it yeah but when you get the chance to have the chat with everybody I yes I do but yeah. I don't drink tea yeah Constantu Tenby. What am I saying? What is my name? No. George, I am saying. How are you, Tenby? <laughs> With two live in carers, Star and Tenby, Kathleen's health has greatly improved. Irish isn't difficult. What Irish is, is precise. You can say exactly. You can't say it. Kathleen, it seems, is determined to teach Tenby. From Malawi, Kupla Fuckle. Very and, exact. For example, like asking me, Tembi, what is your name? Kapisanabdich. Uh, What's your name? Tembi Isa. And you'd have to say, Tembi Isa. Tembi Isa. Tembi Isa. And she has gelled really well with both Star and Tembi. They give her a ton of space in her own home, but they're there for her for everything that she needs. And she needs everything, you know, like mom can't do anything for herself anymore. And they take care of all of that. It's difficult. Irish is difficult. No, it's not. It's great. It's gorgeous. So he has to learn, I think, After school, Kathleen's grandson Frankie calls to see her. His mum, Karen, gets him to play a small tune. Frankie is learning to play the trumpet. Frank, will you play um, Anchors Away for Grant? Do you want me to hold this? Last year we wouldn't think she'd be here this year. So it's really happy that we still have her this year and we're glad and we hope we're going to have her for another few years. So we're trying to make the best of it before it goes. <laughs> how twins to, to the love of music in everyone. <laughs> oh, Frankie. Well, I'd say this much, love. You're enthusiastic. Yeah. Oh, he's only just starting. He's brilliant.
A few weeks after the launch of the Forget-Me-Nots Choir, I'm back at Tuesday practice. Cleona has brought her mum along from Holt Nursing Home. The music is meant so, so much to her. I've even started myself going in, bringing music in myself and plugging the music into her ears to help her along. And I've brothers that live abroad. They've come home, they can't believe it. They think there is something amazing about it. Now, she still suffers. She, she suffers from TIs, which are mini strokes. So at the moment, she's a bit lopsided and a bit out of it. But she... Her, although her eyes might be closed during these things, she's enjoying the music and she's listening to the music and she's taking in the music and it's the music that are making her alive. This is just amazing. I can't believe the difference in her. Okay. I know the, the taxis are concerned, but can we do get them to know you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Page six. Karen also believes the choir is having a positive effect on her mother. Now, I don't know how much the choir is changing mam's memory or not. I don't know. But all I know is nothing else has changed. Her diet hasn't changed. Her meds haven't changed. Her surroundings haven't changed. The only thing that's changed in mam's life is the choir. But these are all memories that are coming back in stories. And like, now this is for a year and a half, we had no stories. We had nothing. Mam, if you like, mam had stopped. And so now mam's back. And uh, oh, it's one of the highlights now. It's one of the highlights, certainly, of my week. And it's most definitely the highlight of Mam's week. Since setting up the Forget-Me-Nots Choir, Orla has been getting calls from around the country from people interested in organising something similar in their area. There's little things that we notice that Mam is just becoming less repetitive and she just seems to be more, uh, just more aware. And we don't know how much the choir is contributing to that or, you know, how much just her wellness because she is eating much better. She's just much happier in herself or even if it's her medication. But all of the things coming together are all making a big difference. And for Kathleen, who is still living in her own home, she continues to enjoy Tuesday choir practice. And I'm delighted to be here. You know the way you're sitting at home and then all of a sudden you're part of a community and it's just lovely. I just feel human again. <laughs>